and welcome to episode 40 of the Crochet Circle podcast. This one is called Wedding Barcelona. My name is Faye and this is my audio and video podcast and it's for those that love fibre crafts, particularly crochet. This community that we have is for people that like to support their fellow humans. So I hope you feel the welcome embrace and love of the Crochet Clan and you can come on in and stay a while. So apologies in advance because this is like a comedy of errors recording this podcast. I went to use my normal camera setup and it won't work. Matthew has been fiddling with it. That naughty, naughty husband of mine has been trying to use my camera for something and now it won't work. So he is in trouble deep when he gets back. So I'm recording on my new phone. Did a little test. And I think the video quality is good enough and I hope that the sound quality is good enough too. If it is, then I think I might continue to record on my phone because I actually quite like the setup, it works well for me. Um, if the audio, however, isn't good enough, then I will go back to my old setup because I record for audio and video. I need to ensure that the audio is good enough. So if you have any feedback for me, please just uh, just let me know and I will see if I need to change anything around. But this new whizzy new um, camera phone that I have is just incredible. And one of the reasons I got it, well, one, because I am the phone breaker, that's what I do. And two, because the video quality seems particularly good on it. So when I'm out doing shows, I've got something that is one piece of machinery rather than having multiple things that I'm carrying around um, and making my you know, hurting my shoulders, which are an issue for me. So yeah, let me know what you think. So in this month's podcast, I have got an old dog new tricks. I want to give you a quick update on the inclusivity works that I've been doing in diversity. Um, we have got some finished objects, some kind of works in progress. <laughs> um, I'll explain more on that. A design in progress, some feeding habit, quick news beats and some big ups. I think that's everything. So like I said, comedy of editors for this um, podcast, apologies. I might keep on breaking in and out. I also have my niece here today. I actually intended on recording the podcast yesterday. That just didn't happen because I had loads of orders coming through the shop and I kind of have to prioritise the things that pay. Um, and so my niece is over. She's doing her A-levels at the moment and she's got her exams in May and June and she's doing economics which she hates and was really struggling with studying so we have an agreement whereby she drives down here through here once a week and I set her up on our dining table and she studies for 50 minute bursts and then in her 10 minute break I make her a cup of tea, feed her homemade cookies and generally she knows that she's got 50 minutes of hard work, 10 minutes break, 50 minutes of hard work, 10 minutes break. And then at lunchtime she gets nice home cooked soup and then she does another three sessions in the afternoon. So if the podcast is a little bit bittier this month, um, apologies, but I, want, I really want to support my niece. I would love her to get a good grade in her economics A-level. So I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to help her with that and make sure that she's getting her study done. Right, slurp coffee and then let me 
give you a bit of an update on inclusivity. Um, last month I talked about all of the actions I wanted to do for the podcast and um, just to let you know there is now a blog post up on my website which is knitit-hookit-craftit.com and within that there is a lovely list of um, BIPOC crochet designers so that's black indigenous or people of colour crochet designers um, and what's happened is Claudia from Crochet Luna Vlogcast has been in touch with all of these designers, got their um, acceptance for us to feature them in her story highlights on Instagram. So if you would prefer to look at this on Instagram, go to Claudia's highlights or also on the blog post. So what I've done is got the designers names and then done a load of um, kind of research to pull together their Ravelry names, any other places that you can find them, so other selling platforms like Etsy because they might sell other bits and pieces. If I've seen that they're also a podcast or, or a tech editor, then I've given that detail as well. Um, and basically shown all the different platforms that you can find these crochet designers. So please do go and take a look um, at that blog post. I will link to it in the show notes. Claudia is still working ahead on the new logo for the podcast and for the global hookups um, and so that will be one for the future and you will see if you're watching the podcast rather than listening to it then you will see that I for this month will have started adding photos of the people that are the designers or the yarn dyers that I'm buying from. And if you go to the show notes because you are watching this rather than um, sorry, because you're listening to this, I told you it's one of those podcasts, <laughs> because you're listening to the podcast rather than watching it, then the those photos will be up into the show notes as well. That will allow you to actually see the person, the human behind the fibre that you're working with or the pattern that you're working with. Um, and there, you know, that connection should be deepened, hopefully. Right, totally to get on to Shall we do old dog new tricks? I want to talk about in, in this month's old dog new tricks, gut reactions to things. I quite often have people questioning their colours or questioning bits of a design. Now I know some people will religiously stick to a design and stick to what's on paper, even if their gut is telling them that something doesn't feel quite right or it's maybe not the right thing for them. And I, through today's Old Dog New Tricks, just want to encourage you to follow your gut. And I think that are, I'm going to give you a trick for doing that, particularly on things like the colours that you choose. But first of all, what I want to do is give you a clear example of where I should have followed my gut. So I'm holding up my Esja sweater, which is a crocheted, yoked, top-down jumper. And what I'm doing is showing the back of it because you get to a part in this pattern where you stop and you do some short row shaping. Apologies, because I'm basically pointing to my boobs for this one, because that's where the short row shaping is. But you do short row shaping to lengthen the back a little bit. Um, and when I was doing it, my gut was telling me, this isn't actually necessary, this is a pain in the backside, and you, I don't think it's going to really bring anything to the party. And 
I was right. <laughs> I should have just skipped that step. I don't think it brings enough difference to the length of my top. And I'm just going to see. There is maybe a centimetre and a half in difference in length that it brings to the back from the front. And what it actually does is shows a very different um, part of your stitch pattern because you've been working in the rounds and then you go to short rows and I have this band that will go across the back of my um, my jumper on the back and it just, I don't, I don't like it and I should have just listened to my gut and not done it. Um, I know for next time and I'll pop that into the show notes for this but it can be quite hard to listen to your gut and think well actually that's not what I want and it, that's I think one of the beauties of crochet is it's really easy to rip it back it's not like knitting it doesn't take a long time it's easy to rip it back and then start again and, and try it another way and I would encourage you to do that as much as possible likewise with this um with this jumper actually i was going to use my contrast variegated color down at the bottom my gut was telling me that it would create an imbalance with the top of the jumper down to the bottom and i tried it out anyway probably put about 40 minutes worth of work on it and then tried it on and just went no you were right i should have listened to my gut i knew that it wasn't going to look right i knew that it would just create that imbalance and I ended up ripping it back and redoing that work and the reason I mention it under that kind of brand and the reason I mention it with colour is because I think that colour is one of the things that baffles crafters most of all some people have just got an amazing eye for colour and they can pull together different colours and it can just look exceptional and it is a real talent but I would also hazard a guess for people that don't feel that they've got that talent or know that they don't, you still know in yourself when a colour doesn't work. And that's why you'll get on Instagram or on Ravelry people saying, what do you think of these colours? Does this one work? Does this one not? I would say if you're asking that question, you already know that your colours don't work. And you probably, if you're putting forward, let's say three options, you probably already know which one is your favourite option, the one that you want to work with. Now, I listen to um, a, quite a lot of management books um, because I essentially I run three companies. I've got three different things that I do. Um, so I quite often need a lot of help to give me clarity and get me to where I need to be with each um, part of the business. And I came across a really good tip in a time management book and it was to get yourself a coin. So if you have three options or two options, you get them in your mind, one is heads and one is tails, and you flip the coin. And before that coin has even landed, your gut will have told you which is the one that you hope it will be. So let's say I can do grey with mustard, grey with pink. I'm gonna flip. I already know in my gut that I want the grey and the mustard. So before that coin has landed, before you've even looked at it, what has your gut told you? What is it you're hoping for before you reveal what that coin flip is? And that is your gut telling you what's right and what is wrong. And that's what you should go with. And you can apply that to all sorts of things throughout your life, not just colour choices for you know projects that you're working on. I do it for all sorts of stuff when I think 
should I take this forward? Should I buy this element from the shop? Should I do X, Y, Z? I use the coin trick and I don't even use a coin anymore. I just let them virtually go. Yep, I know that that's what my answer should actually be because my gut reaction is telling me it's one way and not the other. Have a play with that this month if you're interested. I would love to hear if you try the coin flip trick to make decisions for bits and pieces because you already know you just um, but it's allowing your voice to be the one that dominates and comes through and taking that idea forward. Let me know if you use it. I use it quite a lot these days and I find it really helpful. Right, next month, my old dog new tricks, because I will still be on my Estra sweater, although I have to have it ready for Edinburgh Yard Festival. I've now finished the body. I'll talk about this in, um, in Whips as well. Um, but next month's old tricks, I'm going to go through how you can do a sleeve decrease, a nice even sleeve decrease that is specific to your arm. So again, next month it will be quite a detailed one and I'll probably back it up with a, a blog post so that you've got more detail that you can go back and um, go through. Finished objects. I have got... I've got a few and some of them are quite varied as well. Um, I showed you on the podcast last month, popped up in the show notes, the other version of Doppio Colosseum that I've been working on. And that was using the merino silk blend from the Wool Kitchen in, in Helen's colourway called Worn Denim. That went off, um, sent it down to Helen last week and that was on her stand at Unravel and got a lot of love, which makes me happy. Interestingly, there was a real increase in the amount of crochet unravel this year. Indie dyers are starting to get the message. <laughs> Crocheters buy nice yarn, crocheters want to buy nice yarn. And I then was going around unravel and if an indie dyer didn't have a crocheted sample up on their stand, I was less likely to buy from them. In fact, I didn't buy from anybody that didn't have crochet on their stand. And I suspect that's one of the ways that I'm going to um, spend my money wisely. If an indie dyer isn't supporting my craft, then I'm, I don't want to buy from them. <laughs> Frankly, that's I think that's how I'm going to go with it. And same with yarn shops. If they haven't got crochet as part of their setup, then they're not <coughs> catering for me and my craft. So... They're not getting my money, <laughs> frankly. Um, so it's really nice to see so much crochet going on at Unravel. It's really lovely, actually. So that was my finished object. I will pop photos up of that in the show notes and up on the screen. Really pleased with it. And I get that back after Edinburgh. So if you're going to Edinburgh Yarn Festival, you'll be able to see that version on Helen the Bow Kitchen's stand. So that was FO number one. And then I um when I when I was when in Barcelona <laughs> I found a really amazing um material shop called Nuronia and it was um uh they sell a lot of the beautiful Japanese fabrics 
and so when I was there I picked up quite a few fabrics because they sell them by the half meter they had a load of stuff that was 50% off and one of my missions for 2019 is to really start I want to start sewing my own clothes because I want to be able to control the materials that I'm wearing and the size that I've got I'm I wouldn't say I'm in a regular size but I'm reasonably tall I've got really long legs and um, my torso is a reasonable length I am muscular I do a lot of shows and I do a lot of upper body lifting so even if I lose weight throughout the rest of my body and it goes off my stomach and my boobs I've still got fairly chunky arms because of the amount of heavy lifting I do for shows and for the shopping in my office and I often find that when I lose weight I st it doesn't fit me in the arms and then it's too tight around my oxters and then I just overheat and I feel really uncomfortable. So one of the ways that I can deal with that is by making my own clothes, which means I can extend I can extend the arm spaces and just really get clothes that fit me and are properly tailored to my body shape. So in advance of doing that, what I thought I would do is make myself up some project bags. So I spent last weekend, I was only going to make one. 12 bags later <laughs> and um, I had been just having a little sawthorn and I thoroughly enjoyed it and what I was trying to do was really get to grips with um, pattern matching and um, cutting out using my rotary cutter doing different elements so some with zips some without and I just I thoroughly enjoyed myself the sewing machine is still out, but I don't think I'm going to sew anything um, this weekend. I might, I might have to put it away. I even managed to do myself a little pocket on the inside. And it's just a really nice little bucket double drawstring bag. Um, what I'm going to do is pop the links. I've got both of the bag types that I'm um, going to photograph and show off. Both of them were... Um, YouTube tutorials and that's how I did them and I am a very novice sewer um, and so yeah any little scraps and bits and pieces that you've got at home these bags are just absolutely perfect for so I tried the drawstring bucket bag and the thing that I'm particularly bad at is adding zips so I also tried a little box pouch bag which was zipped and that worked okay. That was that was quite good. This was the first set of bags that I did. I only did three of these, which tells you how little I like zips, whereas I did nine of the double drawstring ones. And this is some very special um, tweed that I bought. It's woven fabric using wool from Uist in the Outer Hebrides. I bought this when I was over on Harris and we did a t day trip down to um, Uist and I went to the the Uist wool mill and bought some of their woven fabric. So this one is a little bit special. This is probably the most expensive project I, I own um, because of the cost of the tweed. <laughs> it was a lot of money, but um, I really enjoyed this little project and that's going to be for sock projects, crochet and knitted. It's perfectly sized for that and I lined it. So very different finished objects for me because I just I just really wanted to get to grips a bit more with um, sewing and I love that I've still been able to bring my 
my passion for British breed yarns into my sewing as well. That and obviously one of the bucket bags had to have cats on it so my, my, my passion for all things cats were also, uh, that was also fulfilled. So I've been doing that, what else have I done? Um, I've also gone a little bit back to spinning. I haven't been able to get to my spinning class for um, a while and I went last night and I really enjoyed it. So I have got my first ever real proper hand spun off and it's plied, it's a two ply. I don't know what kind of a ply I did, I just pulled the two together and that was it. But I'm really quite pleased, it's reasonably even I think. Um, and for a first like proper job coming off my new spinning wheel, I'll take that. I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with that. I was using, um, it's the Harvest Chews by Jonah Arbin Textiles. It's some of the fluff that they sell and it was a dream to spin. If you are brand new to um, spinning either drop or on a wheel, I thoroughly recommend this blend. It just it wants to go and it's not too slippy. Whereas last night I was trying some Gotland from um, John Arbin and this tells the sorry story. I've just got lots of little bits where it was just, it was so friable and so fast. It just didn't, it just didn't take. And I persevered for about an hour before I gave up on the Gotland and moved over to some South Down yarn and that just spins like a dream. It's absolutely beautiful. So. This might be my weekend project is to finish off this um, top that I've got from Adelaide Walker. So back into spinning, which really makes me very happy because it's a great way of me getting um, to further grips with British breeds and beyond, you know, not just British breeds, but lots of different breeds of sheep and having a really good understanding of how they spin and what they'll bring to the crochet party as well. Um, because my plan is to crochet all of these different breeds into an ongoing blanket, which I've already started. So that, yeah, that's been quite good fun, but I'm well chuffed with my Harvest Hughes finished, kind of finished object. I obviously now need to make it into something, but it, it, there's a ball of potential there that I've made. It's pretty exciting. Um, I have one more finished object, but I'm going to talk about that in Designs in Progress. It's behind me on my lovely uh, mannequin cloud. Um, but that's a design that I'm working on, so I'll go into that in a wee bit. Let's move on to on roots. I only really have one, which is my Isra sweater, because um, up until last night, because I was meant to be recording yesterday, the finished object that is now on Claude was a work in progress. Um, so let me bring out my Isra sweater again. Um, like I said earlier, I have now finished the body on this and I did the bust decreasing that I spoke about last time round and that seems to have worked really quite nicely. I won't pop it on because what I'll do is savour this until next month when I um, actually show it as a finished, proper finished object and have it on and have done the sleeves as well. Um, I now just have the sleeves to do, which are not my favourite things in the world. I definitely get stuck on Sleeve Island and 
uh, I've got quite a bit of calculating to do on this to make sure that I get a nice long fitted sleeve. The last jumper that I did was a knitted one, um, you might remember the grey and the yellow one. The sleeves aren't just quite long enough on that so I would rather make longer sleeves on this one and roll them up or scrunch them up a little than have sleeves that are too short. And I think that was just me on Sleeve Island saying I've had enough, yeah that'll do, that's long enough and it's not. And you can see even the jumper that I've got on today, I've, I've basically got long everything, long legs, long arms and this is fairly standard fare for me to have a jumper that is like maybe two inches too short for me. This should be a full size jumper and and it just isn't because of my <laughs> my long arms. So I want to make sure that the arms on Estia are spot on. Um, so not much else to say about this other than that I did those decreases. I wish I didn't do the short row shaping in the back. So if any of you are doing the Estia sweater and you're at that point yet, I would honestly try it without first and see how you get on because I just I think the change in those rules is actually quite unsightly and I don't like it and it, it kind of puts me off the jumper. Not enough that I'm going to rip back maybe 20 inches of work so um, I don't hate it that much and I want to see how it works after blocking but if you get to that point maybe question whether you really want to do the short row shaping or not. Um, and that is that it. I've got socks on the go but they're all knitted and I've still got my fallen leaf socks which I've finished one and I need to turn the heel on the other so maybe really that should be my weekend project. Um, but that's it because I'm, I'm trying to be a little more monogamous with my crafting and a bit more considered and trying to do some bigger um, projects rather than just little ones and having so many on the go. On to designs in progress. I'm currently working on quite a large project um, which is knitting and it's a series of designs and it might be an annual thing depending on how well it's received when I launch in September. So <laughs> that's one of the reasons I'm being quite monogamous with my other crafts is because there's a whole pile of like stuff going on over here and then what I'm trying to do is delineate work design time from play time and kind of design time. So the one that I'm working on at the moment is totally Barcelona inspired. When we were there at the beginning of um, February we were on the open top bus tour and there's a street in Barcelona called um, Passage Gracia and it's the one where Gaudi's, some of his most famous buildings are on. So Casa Batlo is on the Passage Gracia. Across the road from that is the most amazing building, which wasn't designed by Gaudi, but it's in the vein of. And it's a huge building that apparently used to be, it was for the Astrological Society. And it has three different shaped kind of turret or tower roofs on it and they're all as as with Gaudi's work and those that followed on they're in different colours and these have, it's a band of four different colours with a little bit of blending from one colour into the next and I was just I was in awe 
of one of the towers in particular. So as you do when you go anywhere, the first thing you do is work out where the yarn shops are. And the first one that I visited is called All Unit Is Love. And they are based in the Gothic Quarter. So it was maybe five minutes from where we were staying in the most incredible um, part of the city. It was beautiful. And when I went in there, I spoke with Jennifer, who she and her husband run the yarn store. She's also a dyer. I'll be able to show you more of that. But she has her, they have their own yarn, which is spun just outside of Barcelona. And it's called K2 Together, which is a knitting reference, which is knit two together. And it is 70% wool and 30% milk. Yes, you heard me right. That was milk. So I'm guessing somehow they're able to get the proteins out of the milk in the same way that I think they do with um, seaweed and various other kind of natural um, things that you can create into fibre. So 70% wool, 30% milk and it's 105 metres per 100 grams and it's incredibly soft to work with. But when I went into All You Knitted Love the second time, because, you know, I went twice, um, I was, I'd, I'd gone in there and then I saw this piece of architecture and then I went back because I thought that it would work really well as a cowl, strand, um, a, a colour work cowl, very simple. And she had just the perfect colours. So the colours that I have got on the shawl, on the on the long cowl that are on Claude are really spot on for the colours that were in this rooftop. They're just perfect. So there's a warm cinnamony burnt brown colour. There is quite a soft coral kind of rosy colour. Um, and one that she's got called, it's called egg yolk, I think. And it is a yellow, but it's not a really bright, vibrant yellow. Again, it's quite a dusky yellow. And then an off-white, which has got pinky tones to it. And I just loved the four of them together. And Jennifer helped me pick them because she also knew the building that I was talking about. And she sent emailed me, since emailed me with different bits and pieces about the building, which is why I now know more about it, because my Spanish is very limited and... Um, Jennifer is from the States and is fluent in Spanish, so she, we, we were able to have really good conversations. So I don't even have a name for this design yet, but I started it a week ago and just had to get it done. Um, I really enjoyed working on it and finished it off last night. So I will come up with an appropriate name for it, possibly on the architect or something around the building because that most definitely is the inspiration point and I will add a photo of the building and the, the turret in particular into the show notes. So now that I've done it once on quite a chunky yarn I want to do it again. The one that I've already done is a long one that you can double over. I'll just you just do that because it's hard to style that on my mannequin Claude but I can pop it on myself. Unfortunately, this is going to be one of those designs where I have to model it myself, which I'm never that keen on, to be honest. But it's, I saw loads and loads of people, particularly guys in Barcelona with really big, chunky 
cowls on to nice jackets looking um they seem to do smart casual in Barcelona really nice and pull it off in quite a sassy fashion so I saw loads of guys with big chunky cowls on and thought ah you need to be part of my design inspiration point too so apologies I'm probably not showing it off all that well because the downside of using my camera phone is I can't see what's going on so I might have hair coming out all over the place I don't know but the point is that this cowl is designed to be doubled over and then what I would like to do is design um, a second one with using three colours because actually this could be a bit of a stash buster project so the three colours I've got are again in quite a chunky yarn um, a burnt orange, a darker um, kind of charcoal grey and then a mid grey and this one I won't do as a doubled over I'll just do it as a much closer in cowl but make it as long as it needs to be so I can double it into itself if I need to or not I don't even know what weight this yarn is it simply has a little white label on it that says number two <laughs> I can go back and look it up because I know I bought this in um, de Mercerie in Munich and I know that it was um, Bavarian grown wool and spun in Bavaria as well so I can find out more information if I need to like what the meterage should be but that's the next part and by the time I've finished this one then I will know what the cowl wants to be called and yeah usually names just come really quickly but it hasn't with this one for some reason so I need to I need to get that sorted so that's my current crochet design in progress and um, what you may have seen is that even though it's crocheted it's got a slightly knitted looking texture I wasn't specifically trying to make it look like knitted because I think that if you want it to look knitted we'll just just knit it um, but what I wanted was something that was really squishy um, I started the design off using waistcoat stitch that creates quite a squishy fabric but it's quite dense at the same time whereas the stitch that I've used for this one is camel stitch which is squishy without having the density of waistcoat stitch and it just is lovely and it's actually quite supple and it's lovely around your neck whereas the waistcoat stitch one becomes very rigid and won't move anywhere camel stitch is um, the opposite it's really pliable and basically it's a uh, half treble half double um, in US terms and when you make your half treble you've got your normal two loops that you'd work into the front but on the back you'll see another bump or hump hence camel stitch and if you work into that hump, it's a bit like working into a, a slip stitch. What it does is pushes your two normal loops that you would work through to the front of your work. And then you can just continue to work in the hoops at the back and you can work in a continuous spiral. So it makes it a very easy project to um, work up. It's always obvious where your hook goes into, but by pushing your two normal stitches to the front, it creates a bit of a kind of a knit look V and um, not dissimilar to the simple knit stitch in Chimazine crochet so but on its side um, yeah now just a little bit of colour work from for the colour changeovers and that's it it's a lovely simple cowl 
but I'm going to do the same, write it up as a proper pattern, do a pattern tutorial and um, get it out at some point in the future. You let you know we're coming into the really hot weather, so obviously now is the time to put forward big chunky camel projects. That's really sensible. So that is it for designs in progress, I think. Let's move on to feeding the habit. I'm going to start with my Barcelona goodies. I I really love going away, finding yarn shops and getting new to me yarn that that's what I would spend my money on so when we go away although we were in a hotel this time normally we would go self-catering because we don't eat out lots we have carpet picnics we try and eat the local food but it, it's either me preparing it or like I say we'll go and take picnics out and eat local food that way but it's a way that we can control costs when we're away um, which allows me to buy yarn instead because I would much rather have yarn than dinner in a, in a restaurant um, every day of the week frankly I'm this is going to sound really snooty and I don't mean it to sound that way but I'm frequently disappointed by the food that I eat when I'm out I'm a reasonably decent cook I love cooking and I love cooking and I hate paying money for meals that are really mediocre. I've, I find it actually offensive. So we don't eat out a lot, but we buy really good ingredients when we're at home and when we're away and we have nice food. So we do it that way and that releases money for yarn. <laughs> so the other one that I bought from This Is Knit from Jennifer is one that she has dyed herself and she has a label called Mur. It might be murmur, um, but the mur is the dominant lettering on the label, so I'm not sure which. And I just, I, I fell in love with this colourway. I was buying some yarn for my friend Beck. She'd given me money to buy her yarn. And this was one of the ones I photographed for her and said, do you want this one? And as I was holding it up and photographing it for Beck, I was thinking, Please don't want that one. Please don't want that one. Please don't want that one because I really love it. I would I would have willingly bought it for Beck. She's a good friend. And it is 25% cashmere, 75% merino. I've never really had a cashmere merino mix before, so it's beautifully soft. I'm actually petting it as I um, talk. It is a standard four-ply light fingering, so 400 metres, which is 437 yards per 100 grams. And it is called Guide. That's the colourway name. And the base of it is purple. Quite a, quite a deep purple. And then it goes into light mauve. It has teal in there. It has mustard in there. It has green in there. And it just... When I undid the skein in the shop, I figured that the colour changes were quick enough that it would actually work really quite nicely for crochet as well, rather than pooling in big um, parts of um, colour pools. I thought this would go well for crochet, which is the other reason that I bought it. That and Jennifer, who dyed it and runs a shop. It, she was just so lovely. I had such a nice chat with her and um, she was busy crocheting up a bag at the time when I was in the shop. And I like to be able to support yarn shops bricks and mortar yarn shops. So that was, it's 
it's so soft and squishy. Um, that was the other thing that I bought from All Unit Is Love. They had a lot of um, cotton, quite a lot of Portuguese yarn, which I'm guessing is quite a big thing um, on the continent. Um, not so much over here. Um, but yeah, this, this I think is destined to be a hat and mittens. I think that's where my head is taking this because it is just, it is just so soft. The second shop that I found in Barcelona is called Lalanalu and it's um, two ladies that run it and they're actually the ones that are responsible for a new yarn festival that started last year called Barcelona Knits which if you haven't come across it, it looked amazing and they've just released the dates for it and I'm so tempted to put in an application to vend there because it just looked like so much fun. Um, Barcelona's quite far away and I can't drive there so maybe I need to rein those ideas in a little bit. This was a really crochet friendly yarn shop. Um, the, there was a friend of theirs in there who was busy crocheting away one of the um, Pikapau Amigurumi um, I think it was the dinosaur or the crocodile, but they had supersized it in chunky yarn. It just, it looked fabulous. And lots of crochet books, lots of crochet samples up there. Even their pin badges had crochet elements to it. It was probably one of the most crochet rich yarn shops I've ever been in, um, which, you know, obviously means that I then need to support them. So... I got a few bits and pieces from them. They have got uh, stock in from two Barcelona dyers and the first one is called, it's Overjitabi. Again, I am probably butchering that. Apologies. It's O-V-E-J-I-T-A-B-E. And the lady that dyes this was actually in the shop when I was there. And luckily they just brought in a load of more colourways so I managed to have a good rumble through them and see which ones I wanted to pick out and the one that I picked out is called Greenery and it's very aptly named because it is all the greens. It has a very subtle speckling in there in a sort of um, little bits of brown and darker greens and lighter greens and little nuggets of rust orange but it's very very subtle. I think this is going to be knitted socks but I just I fell in love with it it just it's such a vivid set of greens and um, I don't often work in green and I love it it's one of my favourite colours but I don't often find greens that I love which is I think why I end up at the teal end of the scale because as far as I'm concerned, there is no bad teal. All teal is good. Like mustard, most most mustards are good, but not. I don't feel like all greens are good and can go with my skin tone. However, this one is is good. So maybe it needs to be a shawl rather than socks. Maybe it needs to be more prominent. Um, that is a fairly standard wash of um fairly standard blend. Seventy five percent merino, twenty five percent nylon. 100 grams to 425 meters and it, it was just really nice to see the hand dyer and to be able to stand in the shop and support them and support their work and I've spoken to both of the um, hand dyers their names now totally elude me because it's just one of those days but the hand dyer for um, over just to be 
when I pinged her a message on Instagram to say, is it a photo of you that I can use for the podcast? I think it's really important to show the dyers and the people behind the brands I'm buying for. And I believe in buying from local yarn shops and um, buying the less commercial end of the scale. And she came back and said, uh, yes, please, that's a fantastic idea. And she she basically said, it's because of people like you that I can run my business. Without people buying hand-dyed yarn, um, there's no way that she can run her business. And just the support that she gets from online, from Instagram, people using her yarn and shouting about it. And I thought, that's really nice to hear because sometimes you can feel like you're just tagging people on Instagram but this is an indie dyer telling you that it genuinely makes a difference to her business when you tag them and show off their wares before and after you've used it so that was really lovely the other dyer that was in that um, shop with the stock rather than the person is a brand called Sock Una Troca and um, she does a sock yarn and again I'll pop photos up and I bought for myself two, two skeins. Um, I will pop photos up though because there are more. So Beck also got an overjitabi yarn. Um, that's what I took her back. And um, I bought Claudia from Crochet Luna Vlogcast. I saw in the Troca as well. And that's winging its way over to her in um, San Diego. So that's gone, but I'll pop a, a photo up for it. The colourway that I bought, Claudia, was called Oberon. And the one that I have is mustard, and it is like proper, proper mustard as far as I'm concerned. And the colourway is called Golden Hour. And that is on 75% um, wool, 25% polyamide. So nylon. And it is, I think that the actual base is from um, Catalonia as well, and then hand dyed in Barcelona. And it is, like I say, it's a proper mustard, but it's got little, it's got little dirty bits in it as well. <laughs> my my skein of yarn has dirty bits in it. It looks like she's sprinkled some kind of green on it, and that's just taken it to a muddy. Uh, muddy colour just in patches so there's a little bit of interest it's not a solid colour but it is a really good mustard and I can never pass up a really good mustard and then the second one that I got from Sock Una Troca is a how do I describe this it's got quite a lot of colours in it Um, it starts with a kind of sagey greeny blue and then it has speckles of purple, blue, orange, green, yellow in there, rusty orange. It's everything is in there, but in quite a nice. Oh, I didn't see that. I've just opened it out a bit and there's kind of luminous pops of yellow in there as well. There's a little bit of everything in this skein and I really liked it. And this one is called Ratafia. I have no idea what that means. R-A-T-A-F-I-A. And that's on the same base as the mustard one. These were not designed to go together and they're not going to go together. Um, but I just, I really liked them. And the pricing point was good as well. These were 16 euros each, which is what, about £14.20? That's a really decent price for hand-dyed 
um, ended on a jar, and I think. So, that yeah, that was it from Barcelona. So that is not all, <laughs> because on Sunday I went to unravel. Went down and back up in one day. Took Beck down and Sharon. We had a fab day. Um, speeding down that motorway because I wanted to make sure I was there on time and as it happened we ended up being at the front of the queue ready to go into Unravel Festival um, and I got a few little bits and pieces from there I mentioned earlier on Helen from the Wool Kitchen Helen is Frida Kahlo obsessed she loves Frida Kahlo and um, one of the colourways that she does is called Frida Kahlo and it's a it's almost like a mallard green that's how i would describe it and then what um one of helen's dye things is to have little i think she calls them zips of color so they're a specific length and when you knit them up you just get this little burst of color and beck um, bought some of this when she came down to help me vend at Yarningham in London and she's already made up a pair of socks with it and they look amazing and she was showing them off in my kitchen on Saturday night and Matthew uh, thought that they were the best socks ever and you know I'm never slow to offer him a pair of socks if he shows interest in yarn and when I said oh I can make you a pair of that if you like I'll be seeing Helen tomorrow yes please okay Perfect because you know I love um knitting and crocheting socks and Matthew seems to now really enjoy wearing them and there are only so many pairs I can wear whereas he's probably bought four pairs of handmade socks by me so far. So if he's showing an interest in this then absolutely I'm going to make him a very jazzy pair of socks. So the, that's what this will be. I've got a pair to finish off for him and then I will start on a fresh pair for him and it will be his his Frida Kahlo's but yeah so a mallard green with luminous pink luminous purple luminous yellow luminous orange like quite a vibrant turquoise in there as well it looks really neat when it's been uh, worked up so that that will be on my needles fairly shortly and what else did I see I obviously had to go and see my lovelies John and Julia Arben they have just brought out a new sock yarn called Exmoor Sock. Now, I had a little feel of their yarn when it was going through the testing process. I, I got some to play with and test out some socks with, and it's really nice to work with. The one that I have is undyed. And so what I've done is picked up a couple of skeins. They sell them in 50 gram skeins. And I picked up one of each of Bluth, which is a lovely mid-purple colour on the aubergine side of purple. And another one which is called Hemel, which is a mid-forest green colour. And those two colours together are very thistly. And if I mix that with the undyed, which is quite a nice light to mid-grey, then I have the perfect set up for a pair of mittens I want to work on. These are knitted mittens and I ideally have them ready for Edinburgh Yarn Festival because they are thistle mittens. I won't show more than that because it's a paid for pattern. It was just released last week 
and my lovely friend Katie Green gave me um, the pattern. She's such a sweetheart. So they are called the Acanthium Mittens and they are going to be on my needles fairly shortly. Also might be a weekend project for this weekend, but I'm looking forward to seeing these colours pulled together and testing out the sock yarn for colour work as well, because if it works well for knitted colour work, then it should also work well for crochet colour work. Now, I haven't brought them in for you to see them here because I'll show you in a design in progress later on in a future episode, but I picked up more colours of this because very excitingly, I am doing a crochet pattern for a, a festival, a yarn festival. Um, you've heard me talk about it before, Yarn Folk in Northern Ireland in Whitehead is on the first week of August. And I have a lovely relationship with Louise who does the festival and she owns Lighthouse Yarns in um, in Whitehead and she asked me whether I would be interested in doing a crochet shawl for their festival. Yes I am, of course I am. So I'm doing it in um, the Exmoor sock. So more details to follow on that and I will show you what colours I'm working on in the future. But this will give me a good handle on working with the yarn when I make my thistle mittens. What else did I find? Um, when I was looking at all of the information on Instagram for Unravel, lovely friend Chrissy from Chrissy Crafts podcast basically said that I need to go and see Irish artisan yarns. Um, and she wasn't wrong. <laughs> it's a newish yarn dyeing company. Um, want to say that your name is Tanya and I think it is and I can't remember. I'm honestly names are just not sitting in my head at the moment but she has done um she started off doing yarns that were naturally dyed and then what she found was that her customer base wanted to buy repeat colorways they wanted to buy larger um, quantities so jumpers worth and the problem with natural dyeing is the results aren't that dependable so what happens one week won't happen the next week and so what she's done is started up her company and she now acid dyes but she hand paints them so she's got that repeatable colorway um, perfected but it has the feel of naturally dyed yarn both through her colour choices and the way that the gradients work within her yarn. And the one that I picked up is called Carrick Areed. And some of you may have heard of Carrick Areed, maybe if you maybe some of you have not, but it's on the Antrim coast in Northern Ireland. So her mum still lives in Northern Ireland. She now lives um down south, but she goes back over to visit and her colourways are all very much inspired by Ireland so she had beautiful product shots of Giant's Causeway at sunset and then the yarn colourway beside that. Carrick Reed is right on the coast and it's the area that's got the rope bridge that goes um, over onto the little island which you can pay for to go on it looks reasonably scary so lots of fun but it's also where they have the massive um, 
kind of quarry bit right on the coast where they filmed parts of Game of Thrones. A lot of Game of Thrones is filmed in Northern Ireland. And so given that I was there uh, last year and we went and had a little day trip up to all of these places and stopped off at Calicareed, I thought that this was one, a beautiful colourway, but also it's got lovely memories to it as well. So it's a, it's another sage green. It's actually not too dissimilar from the um, sock in the trocker one that I got, but it kind of melts into a nice denim blue as well. It's very subtle, like I say, really mimicking what you would get with um, naturally dyed yarns. And I like that, it is subtle. So, I bought that one because I wanted to support her and she had gone to the lengths of crocheting up little sample circles of her colourways to show how they work in crochet and I really appreciate that um, and you could just have a little rifle and check the yarn and see how it would crochet up so again she deserved some support and she was just lovely her and her mum were such sweeties really really lovely and she also gave me a little goodie bag and I got um, a mini skein which is a one of a kind and that's in all of the blues so I don't think I want to use it with the full skein that I bought but um, I appreciate being handed um, a nice little bag with all of her branding on it and um, having a mini skein I I just I had a really nice time standing and talking to them for kind of 10 20 minutes and um I'm trying to encourage them to come over to yarn folk and to vend at yarn folk because I think their stuff would just is perfect because she's so um inspired by that that part of Ireland so hopefully we'll see her there final thing final final thing that I got I actually meant to buy these um, when I was at Waltham Abbey wool show in January when I was vending there but what happens when you vend is you're in a massive rush to do setup and all of your fellow vendors are in exactly the same boat especially when it's a one day one because generally you do setup and take down on the same day so then you vend they open the doors and it's just rush 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 customers all day long and then the show shots and everybody just rushes to do take down, get in the car and get home as quickly as possible. Which means I missed going to Joe's Toes. And um lovely lady called Amanda and she sells felted um slipper bottoms and she does it with an insole and also an outer which has got like a rubberized um it's almost like something's been melted onto it so it's a non-slip um thing for the bottom of your slippers and it comes with pre-punched holes now she actually sells all of the bits so that you can make your own slippers and just quickly um sew them together she has little felted hearts that you can attach to them all sorts so you can quickly and easily make yourself some lovely woolly slippers However, I have got a, a knitted slipper kit that has in, been in my stash for maybe three years. And when I was questioning myself as to why it is that I haven't yet made them, it's because my feeling was that I would wear through the wool too quickly and wouldn't necessarily be warm enough for me. So I have got myself 
some Joe's Tools inners and outers so that I've got some really nice hard wearing slippers that I can make for myself. So I will knit them, sew them all together, pop the insole in and have some nice homemade house slippers. Um, so I'm really pleased to finally got my paws on that and love that it's 100% um, felted wool. So no plastic on these and they will be made by me eventually when I knit the slippers. I think that's it. That feels like enough. It does. So it's quite a lot of kind of incoming but there's a lot of outgoing as well. So the shawl, I keep on referring to it as a shawl, the cowl was 400 grams and that's 400 grams that's come in and being used inside of well, less than a month. So I'm sure some of you must see the stuff that comes in um, by me, but I don't show everything off on the podcast that I make and so you don't get to see all of the stuff that I actually use because what I tend to try and do is show you mainly my crochet projects and you don't see all of the knitting stuff that I do. So. But, you know, since January, I've probably finished off three or four pairs of socks that you haven't seen because you don't want to see knitted sock after knitted sock. Moving on to quick news beats. The next global hookups are on the 9th and 10th of March. So on Saturday the 9th, it's an 8 o'clock hookup. That's 8 in the evening and that's GMT. And then the next one is on the Sunday morning and that's at 9 o'clock in the morning GMT. I may or may not be in my pyjamas for that one. Um, everybody is welcome. Just come along and have a nice little crafting session with us. I run it over two sessions and two different timelines so that it truly is a global hookup. And we have people from all over the globe coming and joining in the crafting sessions. It tends to be more people from um, Australia that join the Sunday morning one because that works for them and more people from kind of US that join in on the um, Saturday evening one. You'd be very welcome to come and join us, so please do. What else do I have? Oh, I, I, am, in, I am in talks. <laughs> um, Matthew has a colleague that he works with with his networking. She's lovely and she's called Lindsay Marchant and she's an occupational health therapist. And Lindsay is also a crocheter and she has agreed to come and do an interview for us about positions for crafting and how to make sure that you've got the best posture and the best setup. And so what I'm thinking about doing is making it quite um, quite a physical interview. So rather than us just sitting down and talking to the camera, what I was thinking about doing was actually showing Lindsay all of the different positions I craft in and then she can tell me whether I should be doing things differently or not. So um, that way she can tell me about posture and, and whether I'm hunching my shoulders or not and you know the different things. So then you will have a really good live reference of the things that can be changed when you are doing your crafting. So that's probably going to be a summertime interview that we do. But in advance of that, do you have any questions 
that you would like to pose to somebody who understands crochet, who does it as one of their hobbies, but also can give help and guidance on the the way that we do our craft. So yeah, ask away, ask any questions, and then I can really make it an interactive interview by asking your questions and getting you the answers that you need. Have a little think about it. I will make sure that I've got more to and from with Lindsay before the next podcast and then I can um, give you a little bit more detail about it and what it is that we hope to get across with the interview. But I thought it was quite exciting. I like the fact that it, it could actually be genuinely helpful for people and doing their craft. If anybody is North of England, kind of North Wales based, I'm going to be heading over to You Felty Thing on the 16th of March. Nikki is celebrating the first birthday of her yarn shop, which is just, it's fantastic. And if you haven't been before, she's got a full on open day birthday celebrations on the 16th. Come on up. I'm going to be there from about 12 till five o'clock and she regularly hosts um, every month she'll do a knit along or a crochet along or a make along of some sort and on the open day she's going to launch a loft along using my patterns so I'm going there to show support and help anybody that's just starting out on their pattern or wants help choosing colours or just generally being on hand as a designer to um, be there for her customer base and to sit and eat cake, drink tea and be merry and have a bit of a giggle with some people. So if you're about, please do come along to You Felty Thing in Clandudno, that's North Wales, on the 16th of March. The week after that, <laughs> it's all go at the moment, the week after that I will be up at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and on the Thursday afternoon I will be on Tanya um, TG Frog's stand doing all things um, Dorset Button and just giving her a bit of help. Normally her lovely husband Gerai would be on the stand with her but he's got to scoot off and go and do something else on the Thursday afternoon so I'm, I'm calling in to help Tanya out and give her some support on her stand. I don't have her stand number yet, but I'll pop it out on Instagram if you want to pop by. Come and talk Dorset Buttons with Tanya. She's very knowledgeable, but she also has her own wool for sale. She does all sorts of stuff and um, her own project bags with Dorset Buttons on them. She's a real powerhouse of local wool, breed specific and retaining a traditional craft and giving it a modern twist so she uses some indie dyes indie dyed yarns on her dorset buttons and they are beautiful so if you're coming to edinburgh yarn festival come and say hello to tanya and i'll be on her stand on the thursday i will then be in the festival on the saturday and on the sunday for the make wool event and going to see mr john arvin talk about spinning because I could hear that as many times as you like. I love seeing John um, talk. He's just, he's got a cheekiness to it and he's bedded down to earth. He's all about the spinning and all about their mill and their team. And I really appreciate that. So um, I will be in there on the Sunday. So if you're coming to Edinburgh Yarn Festival, then um, yeah, let me know. I'll be there Thursday afternoon, Saturday and Sunday. Quick big up. I've got one for you and it's slightly different. 
Um, yeah, it's a slightly different one. It's a podcast and it's an audio podcast and it has nothing to do with crafting. But I suspect that quite a few of you are David Tennant fans. David Tennant has a new podcast out where he interviews his friends and it's very, very funny. It is sweary, so less so DT and more his guests. So be warned for that. Um, like if you've got your kids or you're not into swearing, this may not be the podcast for you. But David Tennant is just such a honey pie and the first person that he interviews is National Treasure Olivia Coleman and, and Oscar winner. And then the second person that he interviews is Poopy Goldberg, which I haven't listened to yet, but we'll be doing that this weekend. Um, and he just basically interviews his friends and has a bit of a chinwag with them and it's very funny and it's a really lovely podcast. So I will provide links to that in the show notes in about four to five minutes to an hour for the podcast episode that I listen to. Great fun. Um, the other big up, and this is why I have been sewing, also is because the Great British Sewing Bee is back on our screens and it's I think we're into week three now series five and that honestly is why I've been getting my sew on because I love the Great British Sewing Bee if you're I, do, I guess you might you probably get it in other countries um it's a bit like the it's like Bake Off but with sewing <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it it's a BBC production and they have now got Joe Lycett is the person that's in the room with the sewers doing the commentary and it is very, very funny. In the first episode there was a bit where the beautiful Patrick Grant basically told the sewer that he'd created a hungry bum for his model and it was hilarious. I just, I love it. It's like a little bit of escapism for an hour. So if you haven't come across it and you like your sewing and your crafting, then Great British Sewing Bee is a really nice one to go and watch. Right, I think I'm done. I think I've told you everything you need to know. I think I've done everything. It's finally time to wrap this beast of a podcast up. It's going to be very bitty, like I say, I apologise. Um, <laughs> nothing's really going to plan today. So thank you very much for tuning in, whether that is through um, audio or through YouTube. You can get all of the show notes at www.thecrochetcircle.podbean.com. If you want to get in touch with me, the best way is through Instagram because I'm on that every day. Ravelry doesn't really get a look in these days, unfortunately, but I will have so much time and I have to put it somewhere and Instagram is where I tend to put it. You can get all of my handles from the show notes and they come up on the slides that's coming up um, in a minute. So yeah, come and, come and find me and say hello. Right, done and done. See you soon, lovelies. Um, yeah, I'll see you in April after all of the amazing things that are due to happen in March. Well, it's a disaster of events to do.
you're about to fall. No! We've got a cat outside. He's not been in for ages. Let me see if I can encourage him. Wiggle woo! want to come in it's chucking it down out there and silly little bean has just bobbed off inside <laughs> 